Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day. So this morning, as we open God's Word, though, we want to be receptive to Dad's influence from God's Word. We want to be kids that are receptive to Dad's influence. So grab your Bible. If you're not already open to it, open to Mark chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 21. Always hope you bring your own Bible so you can write in it, mark it up, have have it to look at and study with us. Uh, If you And if you don't have one, we'd love to get you one. Just let us know, and we will help you with that. Mark chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 21. And as you may or may not know, we are in a series of weeks and months studying right through the Bible's book of Mark, one of the stories of Jesus' life and ministry. So the series is called God-Man, because we want to know Jesus, our rescuer, the God-Man, more in our lives. So, Mark chapter 4. Starting at verse 21. And Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. So Jesus had entered into human history. As we've studied through the book of Mark, you'll remember a few weeks ago when we talked about Jesus' arrival, his public arrival. He had lived as a human for 30 years before he became more public in his ministry. And and with his public ministry, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God, God's rule and reign is being established. So Jesus entered into human history, the light of the world himself, arriving, inaugurating the kingdom of God. and, And as he does so, bringing light, shedding light where there has been darkness, bringing clarity where there was mystery. Jesus, the light of the world, revealing who God is and what God's kingdom is all about. And this morning, you and I too can hear from Jesus. We can know about God's kingdom purposes for us. And the question is, are we listening? As kids, do we have receptivity to what God is saying in our lives. And how do we respond? Let's look at verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. When the stereo, so to speak, of our lives is playing Jesus, when the Father, when the Father, the good and true and only Heavenly Father is speaking, when we hear God's word, that passage said here three times, do we hear from God? Are we truly hearing Are we listening? What's our attitude towards God, toward his word, toward the proclamation of his coming kingdom? What's our receptivity to it? Are we turning that dial up with open minds and open hearts, hungering to hear more from God, embracing what God teaches us? Or is there a sense in which we turn the knob down? where we hold out our hand, rejecting what we hear 
shutting out the Father. Remember, these verses that we're reading this morning are right after what's called the parable of the sower that Pastor Aaron taught us from last Sunday, if you're here. And Pastor Aaron did a great job reminding us of this, that followers of Jesus immerse themselves in God's word and share the good news with others. So, thinking about our passages then, those few verses we just read, in context, you always want to read your Bible in context. You don't just read one verse and hope to understand what it means. You read verses before and after. Does that make sense? That's what it means to study your Bibles because this is something you can do and hear from God on your own with your Bible in your hands. This is not something you need me for. But we read the Bible in context and what's happening here in verses 24 and 25 is the measure refers to our attitude, our receptivity towards God's influence. And to what extent we're open, we are going to receive more. And to what extent we are closed, it says there will be nothing. We will have nothing. So this is an exhortation here of what we studied last Sunday to be open to God's word, to appreciate God's word and to respond to it. Fathers in the room, men, everyone, followers of Jesus, we have opportunities to influence those around us. We have opportunities to shape and nurture those around us, whether it be family, whether it be kids, whether it be friends, whether it be coworkers, fellow students. What are we tuning our lives into? What are we turning up? What are we receptive to? Verse 25 tells us that an open heart, an open attitude, being receptive to God's word comes with blessing. We, we learn to walk by the Holy Spirit. We receive insight into what God's doing in our lives. We receive understanding of, of God's word. And, and, and as we are open and responsive to God's work in our life comes blessing and growth in him. But a closed heart, an outstretched hand, refusal to respond is to end up with nothing. Still got your finger in the text there? Good. When we study God's word together, keep your finger in the text. Now we're at Mark chapter, 20, or, uh, chapter 4, verse 26. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And we're going to continue right into another parable, because it has a lot of the same, similar things to say about God's kingdom. Verse 30. And Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. And yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all of the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. 
These parables that we just read about the kingdom of God indicate that there's an aspect, uh, there's a phrase that some scholars, theologians use about God's kingdom, that there's an already, but a not yet. That we already have God's kingdom, but not fully yet. And as we said a minute ago, Jesus' arrival, his public ministry, inaugurated the kingdom. He said the kingdom is at hand. There is an already sense in which the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign over all, is being established and is already true. Are you with me on that? And then there's an aspect of the kingdom that is yet to come. Because we know that when Jesus comes again, his reign, God's rule and reign, his kingdom will be completed, completely established. And so these two parables that we just read, verses 26 and following, we see that the kingdom starts small, inconspicuous, unnoticed, this teacher in this area of the, of the world. It wasn't how people expected God's kingdom to come. It wasn't how, God, how people expected the rescuer to arrive. And while the kingdom starts small and unnoticed, it grows. These parables teach us that the kingdom of God grows steadily remarkably, and that it will culminate, that it will come to fruition, that God's kingdom will be um, fully established at the second coming of Jesus. So God is powerfully, listen to this, thinking about the seed, thinking about the mustard seed, thinking about those parables we just read. God is powerfully and mysteriously at work in the preached word of the kingdom of God. He is at work. God is working the kingdom of God is and will be. Did you hear that? God is at work. Things will play out the way God says. The kingdom of God will bear fruit. People will receive and respond and be rescued. And things will be restored in the kingdom of God in the future. Things put back the way they ought to be. The kingdom starts out looking insignificant, but it becomes a safe place. It becomes a dwelling place of safety and divine blessing because God is at work for our good and his glory. No matter what we see going on, we must know from these parables and from God's word proclaimed and from the kingdom of God being established and and being fulfilled in the future, we must know that God is at work for our good and his glory. So then how do we live? That being said from God's word, that being studied, how then does that shape how we go about living our lives today and this week and this month? I want to highlight uh, three things that I think these parables teach us. Number one, followers of Jesus have hope that overcomes despair. Anyone agree with that one? I hope that's been your experience. Not always. Sometimes we have difficult circumstances that lead us to despair and we wonder what God's doing and we don't see. But friends, followers of Jesus do have hope that overcomes despair. We may not see what God is up to. We may not understand exactly how he's working. This can cause discouragement. But God's purposes will be accomplished so followers of Jesus have a hope that overcomes despair. We look around our culture. 
We see what's happening in the world. And sometimes those things we see are disheartening and depressing. Though I'm not sure that things are any worse than they ever have been in human history. I think sometimes we wail and moan and think that things are going downhill. But life's been hard for a long time for a lot of people. And a lot of Christians have been persecuted for a long time. But we were talking about this in in the 9 a.m. class that, that I was at last Sunday, that when we look around our culture and we see the events of this world, yes, we can be saddened. We can grieve that. We can look around and, and, and uh, see that the things are increasingly secular, that there's less and less openness to God, and we can be sad about that. We can grieve that. That's okay. But, but when we see the news, when we see what's happening in our culture, when we consider what our government does, when we respond to certain political issues in our lives, With despair? Then we're making things that are not God into God. Because if our lives, if our mood, if our well-being is wrapped into those things I just said, political decisions and people in power and uh, politics and economy and material success and what's going on in your job, if our mood, if our lives, if our well-being is wrapped into that, then our allegiance is in the wrong place. Our hearts are following after gods that are not God. And that's, that leads us to despair. But followers of Jesus have hope that overcomes despair. Dads, men, we have a God-given opportunity to set the tone in our household. To set the tone of attitude toward what we see in our world. Toward receptivity to what God's doing. Dads and men, we have an opportunity to set the tone in our families and even in our spheres of influence. And I'm thinking of that dial again. Am I turning it toward me and what's frustrating to me and what my response is and what I wish was better about our world and what I want to grumble about about the next generation? Or am I turning the dial toward things of God and hearing him and turning his voice up in our life? Because if we will take advantage of God wanting to work in our lives and through us to those around us as influencers, if we turn up God and lean into him, we will bring hope where hope is desperately needed. Followers of Jesus have a hope that overcomes despair. Number two, followers of Jesus recognize that it's God who brings about growth. Uh, the growth and success of God's kingdom, I know this is, this is something I need to hear, and I know this, so, you know, maybe some of you do too. The growth and success of God's kingdom does not depend on my grand schemes or my feeble efforts. We don't need to manufacture God's advancing kingdom. We don't need to force people to respond to Jesus. We don't need to fight them in to heaven. 
Followers of Jesus recognize that it's, God's, that it's God who brings about growth. And if you missed it a few minutes ago, let me remind you, God's kingdom is being established and will come to fruition. It will happen with or without me, with or without you. And so when we think of that dial, are we dialing toward ourselves and our own efforts and I got to make people understand and we got to establish his kingdom now or am I turning toward God to tune him up? To tune into God, to turn him up in my life because he's got it under control. Man, I, I just, I can't help it, but I look around sometimes in Christian culture, among fellow Christians, among followers of Jesus, and I'm saddened sometimes by the energy that we are putting in to fighting and disagreeing and being frustrated by culture and how everything's so sad and the poor me, our country's going into the hole and complain and fight and bicker and, and the next generation this and the older generation that. What if instead of holding non-Christians to Christian standards, we put effort into tuning in God and living for him? What if instead of dealing in negativity and condemnation and who's right and wrong and, and, and my perspective is best, what if instead we invested in kingdom expansion, invested in what God's doing in a positive way, in a proactive way, by listening to God in our lives, receiving his love, letting his love fill us and overflow out of us so that what others receive is a positive, proactive, loving, good news that's coming from Christians. Friends, throughout the Bible, God's people are good news people. We're not people of despair and frustration and irritation and, and, and who's right or wrong. Throughout the Bible, God's people are people of good news. And so dads, men, followers of Jesus, I'm asking you, let's not add to the noise. There's a lot of noise out there, isn't there? On the news, on Facebook, at the water cooler. Let's not add to the noise. And let's not let the noise convince us that there's no hope. Let's not let the noise distract us from the good news. When we turn to God, when we turn him up in our lives, when we submit ourselves to him, we don't add to the noise. We faithfully proclaim God's kingdom and new life through Jesus Christ. We cast seeds like we talked about last week of God's word and we trust that God does what God does. We faithfully proclaim the good news and share his love. And just like we don't know how a seed goes in the ground and grows, we let seeds do what seeds do and we let God do what God does. It's not up to my efforts. Followers of Jesus recognize that it's God who brings about growth. Number three, followers of Jesus develop a patient faith. Followers of Jesus develop a patient faith. When, uh, when you, if you were to list off some uh, character traits of yours, how many would have patience at the top of the list? 
Me neither. But followers of Jesus develop a patient faith because we know that God's kingdom will be fully established when Jesus returns. This is exciting. It's amazing to look forward to, so it can be hard to wait. These parables, though, encourage patient faith. I'm not all that concerned whether America is ever great again or not. Because I know that Jesus was, is, and is to come. I know that he is a great, and that he's our great rescuer, and that he's what we need, and that his kingdom coming is happening, will happen. Followers of Jesus develop a patient faith I think sometimes if we're not careful, we read our Bibles and we read promises given to God's people, to Israel or to the church. And if we're not careful, we read our Bibles and take these promises that are for God's people and apply them to the United States of America. That's not what your Bible says. But believing those promises in God's word believing them and trusting that they will come to fruition for God's people, that brings about patient faith because we look forward to that day. We look forward to Jesus' victorious return. We look forward to him setting things back the way that God intended them to be. That's good news. Now, sometimes when I bring up this topic about, about culture, and about what's going on in the world and and the negative things on the news, or I say that, you know, we have to be patient because God's kingdom is coming. His kingdom will be established. We just need to let God do what God's going to do. There's one little dangerous side note to that. Don't take that to mean, I'll just do nothing. I'll just let God do his thing. I don't need to have any interaction with the world. I don't need to have any interaction with culture. Let's look on the screen at John chapter 17. This is Jesus praying to the Father, and he's praying about his followers, and that certainly includes you and me, followers of Jesus. Jesus praying to the Father says this, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And then he goes on a a verse or two later to say, Father, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Christians, is Jesus saying that you should hide in your Christian bubble and hope for the best? No. I'm not saying that we should ignore the world or, or avoid culture or hide in our Christian bubble. Jesus right there says, I was sent into the world to bring light and to, to, to bring about God's kingdom and to proclaim new life available in Jesus. And now Jesus says, God, like you sent me, I am sending my followers. I am sending them into the world. Yes, we interact. Yes, we bring light. Yes, we are to share love and influence but with a patient faith, knowing that God will accomplish his purposes.
So dads, why do your kids look up to you? Hopefully it's more than because we're taller, right? Followers of Jesus in this room, why do people around you admire you? Or why would they follow you? Or where would you have influence in their lives? I want to ask God to help me demonstrate, model, influence by turning the knob more to the right. I want to have influence in my spheres of influence. I want, if if there's anything my children see from me as their father, I want it to be tuning in to God in my life. Turning God up. And that looks like less me and more him. It looks like less relying on me and my abilities and what I can do and I can make money and I can provide for myself and I can teach my kids and I can do this. It looks like turning the dial to submission to God as a child to our good and perfect heavenly father saying, God, I want more of you. I want you to lead my life. So how do we do that? How do we tune into God? How do we hear from him? Well, we meet and know Jesus by hearing God's word. Look on the screen, Hebrews 4.12. It says the word of God is living and active. The book on your lap. That's why I want it on your lap. That's why I want your finger in the text week in and week out. And I hope you crack your Bibles during the week because the word of God is living and active and absolutely applicable and relevant to your life today in 2017. Despite what your friends will tell you, it's not just an ancient book. It is the word of God. And it's where we meet and know Jesus Because Jesus is the light. Because Jesus is the rescuer. Jesus is the one we need in our spheres of influence, our friends, our family. He's the one they need. The word is living and active. It discerns the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. So the word instructs us, it molds us, it shapes us, it influences us for Jesus. It's not just the word of God for the word of God. We don't worship God the Word of God. We turn to the Word of God so that we can worship Jesus, so that we can recognize Him as Savior. And the Word, and when we go to the Word, when we open the Bible, we hear the gospel. We hear the good news that we need to know, not just back when, but we need to know the gospel now today, this week, this coming year. We need to know how the gospel, how God wants to, in the gospel, through the gospel, through Jesus, continue to shape and change and mold me into the image of Jesus. We need to know the gospel because it still applies to your life, Christians. And it still applies to my life. And I need to know the gospel so that I can share it. And, and a few weeks ago, I just shared with you this little little one little tool, it's not perfect, it's not the only way, but one little way to think about the gospel or to remember it for yourself so you can preach the gospel to yourself and so that you can share little bits and pieces of the gospel with others is this tool of God, man, 
Christ's response. If you remember those four words, it'll help you prompt your brain to tell bits of the story of what God's doing, what the gospel, what the good news is. It's that God is holy and perfect. He's the creator of all. He's the creator of you, and he's the creator of me. And God, holy and perfect, created us to be in relationship with him. It's amazing. And then we look at man, and man reminds us of humans. And what's our situation as humans? Our situation as humans is that ever since our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned against God, then you and I as humans have inherited a sinful nature. A sinful nature means that we go against God, we rebel against him, both by our nature, we were born with it, and by our actions and our choices. And in doing so, we reject God. We rebel against him. And we are due the consequences of sin. God's holy goodness poured out against sin deserves consequence. And into that sobering news comes good news. God, man, Christ. We remember Jesus, that that God, in his great love for us, didn't leave us stuck in that troubling situation, but sent Jesus, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him might have life now and life forever. God loves us so much he didn't leave us there stuck in our sinful lives. Jesus' death on the cross took the punishment we deserve, bared God's wrath in our place, and Jesus rose victoriously from the dead, and his new life indicates that you and I can have new life too. God, man, Christ. And again, we come to, what's our receptivity? What's, our, what's the openness of our heart? What's the condition of our attitude? God, man, Christ, That's good news. We must respond. God calls everyone everywhere to respond to this good news. And you respond by repenting and believing. Repenting means to turn away from your old life, to turn away from your sinful self, to turn away from that way of living and turn to God. We repent. We turn away from that and turn to God. And we believe We entrust ourselves to him. It's not just knowing the story. It's not just reading your Bible. It's not just thinking that Jesus was a pretty good person. It's entrusting your life to him, surrendering your will and your whole self to him. You can't do it on your own. You don't match up. You do fall short. We respond by entrusting ourselves to Jesus, by receiving the gift that God offers by his grace. Salvation, not something we earn. Turning up the dial to get more God in my life. I'm not talking about salvation when I've been talking about that dial. We don't work hard and get God. We don't try hard and get God. We don't try to be saved and get saved. We are saved because God is loving and gracious and not because of anything we've done. When I'm talking about the knob, when I'm talking about turning it up, talking about submitting our lives, wanting more of him, wanting to live for him, wanting him to change us. Why do some, in these passages we've been reading through Mark, why do some 
have ears to hear and some don't. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 is on the screen. It says, For the word of the cross is folly, is foolishness to those who are perishing. We will proclaim this good news and, and it will fall on some ears that reject because it sounds like foolishness. But to us who are being saved, the word of the cross is the power of God. Father God, we thank you for the cross. God, we thank you that you did not leave us stuck in sin, but we thank you for what the cross reminds us of, that your great love sent your Son to us. God, we thank you that in Christ we can be rescued from sin and death and made right with you and brought into a new relationship with you and be, and be saved and be being changed. Father God, we thank you for rescuing us through Jesus. Father, this morning I want to pray for dads in the room. I pray that we would be receptive to our Heavenly Father. I pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would open our attitudes, that you would help us to be receptive to you, that it would be you that we want to turn up in our lives. And God, as we do that, I pray for these fathers too, that they would be influencers for your glory and your purposes. And Father, this morning too, we want to think of and lift up and pray for our Vacation Bible School team. This coming week, Lord, there's over 130 kids coming to our campus, Lord, and we want to be honoring to you in all that happens here. So God, I pray for the so many people that are working hard, that will be volunteering this week. God, I pray that you would be everything they need, that your love and grace would abound to them, and that the team would be filled with you and excitement of the good news. God, I pray for our VBS team that they would be uh, good news people this week. And I pray for the kids that you're bringing here, that their hearts would be receptive for what you want to do in their lives. So Father, this morning, give us ears to hear. Draw draw near to us as we draw near to you. Lord, we want to learn to live for you in all that we do and say, not because we have to earn your love, but because you love us so much. We want to turn to you and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I say, what can I do? Because Jesus was, is, and is to come. Because Jesus lived and died and rose again. Because he is alive and because the kingdom of God is being established, what can we do? We can be good news people. We can turn up the knob on God. We can submit ourselves to him. We just sang, live all for you. And when we do that, and he pours his love into us, and he transforms us from the inside out, giving us new heart and new attitude, as he changes us, then part of that is we live as good news people, sharing his love and proclaiming what Jesus has done to those around us. Amen? Amen. Friends, have a great Father's Day. Be good news people this week. Oh, and we want to be good news people too. In, in honor of dads, everyone gets a root beer float. Go enjoy. Good news. <laughs> <laughs>